0: Carol Gold.
1: Hi, it's Sunday, August 6th. I'm Carol Gold and welcome to Think for Yourself. I want to talk a bit about accidents. Actually, accidents, coincidence, I don't believe in either of them. I believe that everything happens for a reason and sometimes the reasons are very hard to discern and sometimes we only get to figure them out in hindsight And other times the reasons are so obvious that it's almost comical, except in situations where funny things are not happening. So before I go down the road of recent what I call synchronicity or things happening specifically at a specific time and for a specific purpose, let me just back up a little bit and talk about One of the foundational blocks, I guess you could say, or pillars in the founding of this country, the United States, were Judeo-Christian values. And that's evident in Washington, D.C., you see representations of Moses, of the Ten Commandments, of excerpts from the Bible on buildings and in buildings, on the Supreme Court. You see these representations, and when you read the founders, you understand that their allegiance to, I guess you would say, their faith in the history of Judeo-Christian values was an integral part of what drove them and how they framed the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence before that. So, as a Jew, let me just address a specific I guess you would call it a book in Judaism, which is called Pirkei Avot. Pirkei Avot means the chapters or the ethics of the fathers. That's the name of the book. And it's really a compilation of ethical teachings and maxims from rabbinic Jewish tradition. And it's part of Jewish ethical literature. One of the things in Pirkei Avot says that you must judge every person favorably. And in fact, in Judaism, there is an expression in Hebrew, lo sakir panim, which means that you should not respect someone's face. Panim means face. That you should not respect someone's face, meaning who they are, their station in life, or their value in terms of their monetary value. It disqualifies a judge who gives special treatment to one or more parties in a litigation that is in front of that judge seeking his determination of the outcome of the case. Now, it fascinates me, right, because I'm an attorney and I look at facts, that's what I look at. I wanna draw particular attention to some facts surrounding recent charges and indictments against Donald Trump. And the reason I want to do that is because I want to show you what clearly cannot be accidental events that happened at or directly after the indictments took place or the events that took place surrounding Donald Trump. Each federal indictment against former President Trump was revealed either on the same day or immediately after a congressional investigation has made significant findings about the Biden family finances. For example, I guess you could say number one, the Justice Department had unsealed its indictment against President Trump in the classified documents investigation. They did it on the same day the Republican House of Representatives viewed an an FBI document, you've probably heard it referred to as FD 1023, because that document contained allegations from a trusted FBI human source that detailed and made an allegation, admittedly, that Joe Biden took a $5 million bribe from Ukraine having to do with Burisma. And you'll know, you'll remember that Burisma, his son Hunter sat on the board of Burisma. And one month later, after that alleged bribe took place, Biden went to Ukraine, and you'll remember that he threatened to withhold a billion dollars in aid to Ukraine if their prosecutor wasn't fired. Viktor Shokin is his name, and Biden bragged about it. After he came back, he bragged, he said, you know, I said, you're not going to get the billion, and sure enough, they fired Shokin. Victor Shokin the, was the equivalent of, I guess, our Attorney General. And at the time that he was fired, he was looking into corruption that involved Burisma and its executives. Remember, Hunter Biden sat on the board with no skill, no employment history in the gas and oil industry. Nonetheless, he was on the board. Okay, I give you a little extra detail there in case you don't know sort of the facts as they surround what happened with that FD-1023 allegation. But I want to go back and make the point and reiterate it that the Justice Department unsealed the classified documents investigation on the same day that that testimony was brought before the House regarding Biden. Then, on July 26th, a plea deal that Hunter Biden had entered into in a federal criminal case against him unraveled when the the U.S. District Judge Mary Ellen Norica questioned whether or not a provision in that plea deal amounted to essentially a get-out-of-jail-free card for Hunter Biden. It was called a get-out-of-jail-free card, in essence, and I'm calling it that, for the simple reason that it protected him from any future investigations having to do with anything relating to what was his representation of foreign entities in Washington, D.C. Judge Narica actually did not agree to the plea deal. The judge has to sign off on a plea deal, even if the prosecutor and the defense attorney make a deal, the judge has to sign off on it. And she would not. And the reason she would not was because when she asked the question, has a term, meaning the forever, you can't prosecute Hunter Biden, has a term like that ever been in any other plea deal negotiated in a prior case, the answer from the prosecution and the defense was no, never. So he was clearly getting special treatment and Judge Narika, I would have to say, followed that axiom from Pyrkea Vote, which is Lo Sakir Panim. You cannot judge someone by their face, by their by their fame, by their by their monetary value, or by their political connections. So she did the right thing in holding it up. However, after that happened, Jack Smith the special prosecutor brought in to prosecute Donald Trump announced further charges against Trump and against the maintenance manager at Mar-a-Lago, who was another defendant in the classified document case. Both indictments, however, the one of Trump and the one of the maintenance manager, both of those indictments had been filed and were under seal on June 8th. So it raises the question, why did they reveal it suddenly after the Hunter Biden court appearance when the plea deal went down the drain? Another coincidence? I don't think so. And then two days after, the two IRS whistleblowers, Shapley and Ziegler, testified to Congress that the FBI and the IRS sabotaged their efforts to pursue an investigation into Hunter Biden's financial transfers and payments that he received from Ukraine and other foreign entities. That was July, I think it was July 27th that they testified. I watched that entire testimony, and in fact, I spoke to it in detail in a prior podcast And by the way, at the moment, let me correct something. In that podcast, when I talked about their testimony, I said one IRS agent and one FBI agent testified, and I want to correct that. Both Shapley and Ziegler were IRS agents. I think Shapley was um, higher ranked. He He was managerial, and Ziegler was lower ranked, but their testimony was stunning. And remember, two days later, After that testimony is when Donald Trump on July 29th received a letter saying that he was the target of an investigation into the January 6th riot at the Capitol. And then when Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's partner, came forward and testified that President Biden had sat in on calls with Hunter Biden's business associates approximately 20 times over a two-year period, and that testimony contradicted, directly contradicted President Biden's claims that he had no knowledge of his son's business dealings. The next day, after Devin Archer testified, the Justice Department and Jack Smith announced a criminal indictment against President Trump in connection with his efforts to reverse the results of the 2020 election and events surrounding the January 6th riot at the Capitol. So what is going on? What is going on that the timing of every one of those aggressive movements against ex-President Trump, former President Trump, took place the day after there was some damaging news about Hunter Biden and his father? Well, in order to give a fuller picture of the answer to the question I just raised, let me digress here for a moment and look at Israel. Because there's something going on in Israel that's eerily similar to what's happening here. In Israel, they have a parliamentary system. Their Knesset is, in essence, the equivalent of our Congress And they have a prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, whose name you know. At the moment, he's the prime minister, and he has been the prime minister previously. And then they have a Supreme Court. However, the way that Israel's government is structured, the Supreme Court is totally unaccountable to anyone or anything. Not only that, they can arbitrarily and unilaterally overrule anything passed by the Knesset, any legislation passed by the Knesset, or any equivalent of an executive order signed by the prime minister. For a very long time, the Supreme Court in Israel has been politically left. And the other unique feature to that Supreme Court is that they self-appoint. So that when a seat becomes available, the sitting justices decide who's going to fill the seat. So the court remains politically left without any hope of it becoming more balanced. In his most recent election, Benjamin Netanyahu decided to make it one of his primary intentions to correct the out-of-balance nature of the way the Supreme Court is unaccountable and has a very long reach and can, as I said, undo anything done by the other two branches. In addition to that, because the court is left, and because the political left in Israel, which is the elite class of very wealthy Israelis, who are very connected to the left here in the United States, they have been instigating the public to stand behind the court, not Netanyahu. And so there have been close to riots in Israel there have been demonstrations of hundreds of thousands of people in the streets as it approaches critical mass as to what's going to happen because the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in Israel, her term is up next month. And she is hell-bent on pushing through everything she can before then that will solidify the autonomy and the unaccountability of the Supreme Court in Israel. Now, I tell you this because what it has done, what the left in Israel has done, joined with the left in the United States who has been supporting it in every way, what it has done is divide the country. And there is much talk of a potential civil war in Israel if this doesn't end well, this conflict. And again, the public has been ginned up and has been, especially the youth, by the political left, to see this in a way other than it actually is. To not understand the full breadth and scope of what the Supreme Court can do there. The reason that I raise all of this is because it is, in fact, the extreme left in this country that has control of the Democrat Party. And that has been going on for some time, and now there's no hiding it. There's not even an attempt to hide it. And I would argue that the division that has taken place in this country has occurred similarly. It has occurred through instigation and it has occurred through the cooperation of the media, same thing in Israel, the media's left, in order to divide the country because a divided country cannot stand. And let me just share with you that historically, you know, there were two periods of temple in, in Jewish history, and both temples were destroyed. And when the Second Temple was destroyed by external forces, it succeeded not insignificantly because the people of Israel were fighting among themselves at the same time that they were trying to fight off a foreign entity, a foreign aggressor. And I would say that we are fighting among ourselves while we are trying to fight off Chinese aggression. Thomas Jefferson, in the founding of this country, worried that the courts would overstep their authority. And instead of interpreting the law, which is the role of the courts, the role of the judiciary is to interpret law that is passed by the legislature, that it would begin making law and would become an oligarchy, the rule of the few over the many. I could argue that that's where we are and that's where Israel is. The rule of the few over the many. And the courts have, in many ways, interpreted rather than enforced the law. There's been some talk recently, I've heard this, that what is suggested Donald Trump's lawyers do is go directly to the Supreme Court, which they can do on certiorari, it's called. Usually you get to the Supreme Court through the appeals process and you come up through the lower court system, but you can bring a a case of first impression directly to the Supreme Court. They don't have to hear it. They have the the discretion to hear it or not, but the argument is that he should bring the case and argue that all that's happening is election interference because he is the number one opposing candidate to the man who is trying to put him in jail, Joe Biden, and his administration, and that it is not allowing him to proceed the way he needs to proceed financially and attention-wise when he's fighting 80 possible criminal charges. What the court would do with that, we don't know. I think they should hear it. I don't know if they would, if he does go down that road. But if they don't hear it, I'm concerned that we will be where Israel is and where we are on the verge of, which is some internal conflict that will have lasting effects for generations. So how do we respond? Well, the question is, what do we tolerate? What is our job? What's our responsibility? What's my responsibility? What's your responsibility in all of this? Because there's greater concern than what's happening to Donald Trump, because it foreshadows what could happen to you or to me if it's allowed to reach its intended conclusion, which is they've been after this man for six years, eight years, and they found nothing all along the way, but they never stopped. Because it's personal. It's personal. They hate him and he doesn't play the game and they want him gone and they're afraid of him being back in office. So I return again to what I said earlier about Pirkea Vote. It has guidance and it has ethical guidance and it has spiritual guidance and it has legal guidance. In terms of what do we do and how do we respond, Pirkea Vote says, It is not incumbent upon you to complete the work, but neither are you at liberty to desist. It means, yes, the problem seems overwhelming, and who are you and who am I? One small voice, one small person. What can we do? Well, it's not ours to do in the sense of the grand scale. There are people with bigger microphones, more power, more wealth, more well-positioned to create an opposition. But we're ground soldiers, right? We're boots on the ground, you and me. And what we have to do is stand by what we know to be the rightful use of power, not the misuse of power. In my book, The Questions God Will Ask, Prepping for the Final Exam that's on Amazon, I talk about right-useness the rightful use of energy. We're all just energy. Everything around us is solid, liquid, everything at the subatomic level is energy, just vibrating at various frequencies. It's up to us to use our energy properly. It's what I term right-useness. Well, what we're witnessing is the wrongful use of energy. We're witnessing misuse and abuse of power, It's not about one person anymore. It's not about Donald Trump. It's about the value and the right useness of the constitutional system under which this nation was founded and whether we continue to be governed by it and guided by it and restrained by it or whether we allow ourselves to be governed by corruption, lies, and tyranny. Each of us needs to make that decision for ourselves, and then each of us needs to speak and act accordingly. There are no accidents. The timing of events around Donald Trump are so undeniably entwined with bad news about Joe Biden's corruption, his son's corruption. Their payments from foreign entities, many of them not our allies, in fact our adversaries. It's plain on its face. If you know those facts, if you've taken in enough news to know the facts, then it's incumbent upon you to talk about it, every chance you get to everyone you can. Because again, we don't have national microphones, but we're foot soldiers, And we encounter every day people who can have their eyes and ears and minds open by being spoken to with respect, but also spoken to with truth. And the facts speak the truth. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself.
0: Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.